In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you were put in charge of running the universe for a week, imagine the important concerns that would be occupying your mind. Making sure that the heavenly bodies remained in their orbits, causing the water cycle to nurture the earth, painting a sunset that ran from the North Pole to the South Pole and traveled continuously around the world until the end of time, restraining Satan's hand to prevent World War III and ensuring that people had oxygen to breathe. These are important things. But then imagine that somebody interrupted your work to say, I'm hungry. If you or I were trying to play God, we might answer, can't you see that I'm busy with important things? How about a fire and brimstone sandwich? That'll teach you not to interrupt me with trivial matters. But that is not our God. Not only does he delight to be interrupted with so-called trivial things, he commands us to do it. Ask me for your daily bread. Our finite brains that are only capable of thinking of a few things at a time cannot comprehend the mind of God. In truth, he can't be interrupted because he is everywhere and infinitely capable of attending to every minute detail of the universe simultaneously. And it is his good pleasure to give us everything we need for life and godliness. Did you know that the very first words God spoke to man were about food? We might think that the first conversation would have been about something more abstract, more important. What is the meaning of life? What's the purpose of man? Why are we here? But no, it was about what the man could and couldn't eat. You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. The first time the all-powerful creator of the universe had a conversation with the father of the human race, they talked about what was for lunch. The same thing happens in our gospel reading from Mark 5. Jesus is busy preparing to fulfill his mission. He's on his way to Jerusalem to single-handedly battle all the forces of sin, death, and hell. And yet he says, I have compassion on the crowd because they have nothing to eat. Surely Jesus has more important concerns. But no, once again, the all-powerful creator of the universe has a conversation with his disciples about food. How many loaves of bread do you have? Seven. Earlier, Jesus fed 5,000 people with only five loaves. Do you think he can feed a mere 4,000 with seven? Of course he can, and he does. It shouldn't be a surprise to us that God can do miracles. He made the universe out of nothing. Feeding thousands of people with something 
is hardly a problem for him. But what might be surprising to us is the disciples' answer. How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? Remember, these are the same disciples that saw Jesus feed 5,000 only two chapters before. They helped pass out the bread. Isn't it strange that a short while later, they're faced with nearly the same situation and they have no idea what to do? Guys, the creator of the universe is sitting right here and you don't know where we're going to get enough bread? What happened last time? Well, that, that was different. How so? Last time, there were more people and less bread to start with. If you read on, you'll see later in the chapter, believe it or not, the disciples again start arguing among themselves because they forgot to bring bread. Jesus rebukes them for their doubt and their unbelief. When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said to him, 12. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. So Jesus said to them, how is it you do not understand? I could ask the same question today. Hasn't Jesus provided for you every day of your life so far? Like the disciples, you've spent lots of time worrying about what you're going to eat, where you're going to live, how you'll find a job, what car you'll drive, whether you'll die from old age or from the coronavirus or cancer. But think back on the times in your life when you've seen God feed the 5,000, so to speak. Have you ever not had food? Have you ever not had a place to sleep? Have you ever been without clothes? Everything you've needed so far in life, God has provided. So how is it you do not understand? Why do you get caught up with worry when God has never failed you yet? Yes, God is infinitely awesome, more powerful than we could ever imagine. And yet he has shown tender care to you throughout your life. He has promised to provide your daily bread. More than that, he has promised that no matter what troubles you face in this life, you will be with him in the resurrection for all eternity. How then could you have any cause for worry? But knowing this may not stop you from worrying the next time something comes up, just as the disciples did, but we do need to be reminded to place our trust in God. Do you fear, love, and trust in God above all things, the first commandment? Or do you fear something else more? Certainly, you should use common sense. But if you fear anything, even the coronavirus, more than you trust in God, 
you are breaking the first commandment, which says, you shall have no other gods before me. But why would you need any other god? The almighty God has pledged himself to you. He cares for the great things, the universe, your salvation, your future in eternity. And he also cares for the tiny, mundane things, what you're going to eat for lunch this afternoon. Nothing can happen to you that is outside of his plan. You might not understand what is happening. The disciples generally didn't understand any of the things Jesus was doing. But you can be sure that everything is working together in your life according to God's good purpose. Even if you should fall ill and die, God will use that sickness as the means by which he calls you to your eternal rest. Of all the things that we need in this life, there are many things that are more important than food. However, when you're hungry, it's easy to forget about everything else. This doesn't bother God. He says, no problem. I know that you need more than food, but I'm still going to make sure you get to eat. And I'm not going to get tired of doing that either. In fact, I want you to ask me for your bread every day. And while we are receiving our daily bread from the hand of the Lord, our God is also giving us the things that we need the most, whether we remember that or not. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. More than bread to put in our stomachs, we need the living bread that has come down from heaven, the word of God in flesh, our Lord Jesus. He is the true food for our souls, the medicine of immortality. And this too he gives us, not grudgingly, but out of his great compassion. People have often expressed doubt about the Lord's Supper. How can Jesus be bodily present at the same time on altars all across the world? Can sins actually be forgiven by eating his body and drinking his blood? In other words, how can one feed all these people here in this desolate place? And how does our Lord answer? The same way he did with his disciples among the 4,000. Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. And they gave it to the people, and all ate and were satisfied. Here is food indeed at the table of our Lord. Come and be filled. In the name of Jesus, amen.